This episode of Remaster is brought to you by the Nuisance Committee. Please stay tuned after the show for a special message about the 2016 presidential election. After months of waiting, seven months on pre-order, the time is here, gentlemen, to PlayStation VR is in our hands. Yeah. I, I just want to say no pre-order for me. <laughs> I, just, I just, I mean, I, you know, I didn't use Amazon. and I did and, and ended up in a disaster. <laughs> you had a bit of a story with Amazon. Should I tell this story real quick? Yes, please. So I pre-ordered my VR and my Move controllers in March, as soon as like it was able to be pre-ordered. And then on the morning of delivery, Amazon sent me an email and told me it would be delayed for two days. Just terrible. (laughs) So I contacted Amazon and they were like, oh, we're just late on our receipt of them. So I was like, I was super upset about it because I'd like planned out my whole weekend. I had Mm -hmm. family coming over to play it. Like Adina is away this weekend. So I had the whole weekend to kind of just immerse myself in this VR world. And then I wasn't going to get it until like the the day before it like she came home and then everything was ruined. So I kind of was just grumpy for a few hours and then I was looking online to see if this had happened to other people with Amazon and I saw somebody tweet Oh, I cancelled my order at Amazon and Argos saved the day. Argos is another UK retailer. So I went on their website and they had them for collection like fifteen minutes away. So I ordered one immediately. <sighs> Jumped in an Uber and just went, picked it up on my way back. And then I, th- I didn't, wasn't going to get the move controllers, though, until Saturday. And I thought to myself, I wonder if Prime now has them. Like, they might have the old ones, right? And I could just buy two. But no, they had the two-pack ba- two box on the Prime now, the mm-hmm. one that I had delayed until Saturday. So it's the same thing. So I ordered it on Prime now, and I had it two, two hours later, and then just cancelled everything with Amazon. So it was like a real, <laughs> it was a real process to which I oh, say, man. Amazon, I have for so long appreciated your pre-ordering process and everything. But for this, I will say, screw you, Amazon, I've for this. never appreciated pre-orders on Amazon. I'm never, never going to do it again. I am now <laughs> going to apply for any big release like this. My same thinking that I applied to Apple, which is pre-order to pick up somewhere yeah right it's always the best option man well it's always. just because i thought it was supposed to you know i'm ordering six months in advance like they said to me on the phone um it's first come first serve and i i just lost it i was like i ordered this seven months ago mm. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah how much more first come can you get than that yeah uh, the thing that annoyed me the most about it i mean if they were delayed from sony they were delayed from sony like that's that but they were also telling me it was the same for the move controllers but they had stock for their prime now service that they were just releasing on that day so it's really annoying but i got it and the story of getting it and the excitement of going out and picking it up was actually a lot more fun for me than waiting around all day for maybe the amazon delivery driver to arrive it was like an adventure it was your very last adventure in real life before jumping into before, the virtual life. Before my life has changed forever. Let's talk about the hardware, right? Um, and I think the key thing that a lot of people have highlighted about the PSVR is the comfort mm-hmm. compared to other uh, VR devices. Now, I have tried at this point all of the major VR headsets. I've spent time with the Vive on a couple of occasions, the Oculus, which we spoke about, and now the PSVR. And I will say that this is easily the most comfortable and the way that they do this sony is that instead of everything being on the front of your face and then just strapping it on the back they have this like headband where it's weighted on the back so the front of it is just basically suspended in an interesting way so it doesn't weight on the front of your face so much and it means it's easier to play for a long period of time which is great Mm -hmm. plus it looks awesome right like it just looks really cool looks awesome it looks like a daft punk helmet you know with the lights and the shape and and i find it very comfortable especially you know the 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 weight distribution in the headset like it doesn't make me want to strain my neck or look down it's very comfortable i haven't had any like aches or pains or whatever for playing it for hours no i gotta say um i wear eyeglasses and it's a little tricky to put on I'm going to say this, uh, you need to press a button in the back yep. to kind of extend the headset. So there's yep. like two extendable arms at the sides and put it on with glasses. It can be a little tricky uh, 
I don't know, because uh, the glasses uh, go against the front of the visor, mm-hmm. which you can extend also. There's a scope button in the front, but it's a little tricky. And I find that... So the first time I put it on, I put it on with the earbuds that come in the box, so the Sony earbuds. But then I realized if I'm wearing my headphones, so I'm using a pair of B&O H6 wired headphones, uh, they create a little padding between my head, uh, like the, my ears and, the, uh, and the, the headset. And with the headphones on and the headset over the headphones, I find it to be more comfortable. I haven't tried it over the ear headphones yet. I'm going to do that, actually. I've only been using... Uh, yeah. I, I can't stand the in-ear things that they, they give. It's nothing to do with Sony. Yeah. I just can't wear headphones like that. They hurt my ears. So I was just using my RIP 3.5mm uh, head jack, headphone jack, ear pod things, the Apple ones. Mm. I was mm. like, oh, these little guys can come out of a drawer. You found a use. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, I wear glasses too, right? And I agree with you that it's awkward, but out of, the again, the three of them, it's the best for wearing eyeglasses. With the yeah. both the Vive and the Oculus, it was really pushing against my face, and every time I take the headset off, my glasses would be stuck in the headset. I haven't had oh, yeah. that with the PSVR. So it is awkward when you wear glasses with these things, yeah, but yeah. I like that Sony... Like they even say, like they, I think it even says in the setup thing, like if you wear glasses, don't take them off. Yes. Which I think was really cool. I'm not going to do it, but I will say that VR is the strongest argument in favor of contacts. Yeah, yet. I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to do it because I find them to be gross and uh, I'm not going to do it. But man, I would love to not have glasses inside the headset. Yep. I think the only issue with the headset is the screen quality. Um, yeah. For, for lots and lots of games, it's totally fine. Like the games that are big and chunky and beautiful and big colors and bold animation. But any game that is very intensely graphical, like Drive Club, you can... Yeah, it's unplayable. You can, you can see that the graphics are good, right? Like you can see that everything looks super realistic, but the resolution is really low. Yeah, you can see these big, chunky, square mm-hmm. pixels on the screen. Yeah, the the problem there is that many games... I mean, this is, first of all, I have to say, it it's an incredible bunch of um, juggling decisions that every single one of these VR headset manufacturers have to make against which tech they're going to push the hardest. And uh, in the case of the pixels that you're seeing, the software guys have exactly the same problem. Mm-hmm. So some of them are anti-aliasing to the hilt and others just can't afford to do that because otherwise they wouldn't get the frame rate so here's the thing right you want to get 90 frames per second if you don't you're going to make people feel unwell and one of the things that you really want to do to try and enhance the sense of immersion is to have anti-aliasing because as soon as you don't have that on you're going to see a lot of crawl a lot of shimmer and that partially breaks the illusion it doesn't break it as much as dropping from 90 frames does but it does kind of break it and if you're pushing up the quality in other areas and if you want to maintain that frame rate sometimes you're gonna have to forego the anti-aliasing because it's costly and and there's different levels of anti-aliasing you know two times uh anti-aliasing is not as expensive as four times and eight times is obviously you know uh, extremely high and some people are doing that when they don't have too much graphical fidelity to worry about in the first place i think with a lot of this it's it's the nintendo problem slash solution like nintendo's never had the hardware to really push something realistic so they just make everything big and bright and colorful and chunky and you know <laughs> go for artistic design as opposed yeah. to realist design but would, yeah. would that be fair to say Jay? do you think that's probably the thing to do with psvr right now is to kind of not push realism too much in the graphics yeah and now you know why there's a ps4 pro right mm. Do you think that's going to help though? Like, because the, is is it the headset quality or is it what it can push? No, it's the images. Because hmm. if you can if you can get ninety frames per second right on on a, a PS4 Pro, and you can get ninety frames per second on a PS4, but the way you got ninety frames on PS4 was by not having say four X uh, MSAA, then and you can have that on the PS4 Pro, mm. then it's going to look noticeably better on PS4 Pro. Interesting. Especially if you can start pushing the texture detail. So I've got to go put my order in right now, right? Are you? 
that what you're telling me? So, so, so let's get this clear because I feel like Mike and I are in the same predicament here. Uh, if we buy a PlayStation Pro, uh, PlayStation Four Pro now, we're gonna get a better VR experience out of the box. Not necessarily. Not okay. necessarily because because some of because it has to be done by the developer, right? Okay. The developer has to make sure that it runs fine on uh, PS4 with the PSVR. Okay. But at this stage, I don't because PS4 Pro isn't actually out. I don't think they have to build against uh, PS4 Pro at this stage. Um, I, I think before very long, within a month or two, I would imagine they're going to start building ps4 pro versions of the same software right. and you'll right. get updates as well so the people who put stuff out are going to get the opportunity to put updates out for ps4 pro huh. and it'd be up to them how they use that power so it's not an immediate thing but it's it, what it means is that w- we will get a better result out of it because of owning it but it's going to take maybe a little bit of time for that to catch up definitely give it a few months i wouldn't get one right now i mean they're not out right now are they so um I, I would wait until you start hearing about updates for your favorite VR games before mm. thinking about it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What about the, the unboxing? It's just It was beautifully oh, done. The most unnecessarily beautiful <laughs> boxing I've ever seen on a product. Like yeah. it comes in like this outer box which has all the information. And when you open that, you've got this big blue box. Oh, is it a white box? And then you open it and there's a ribbon attached to like another box that it opens. It's like this yeah. is amazing. Why are you doing this? Like it reminded me of uh, it reminded me of a typical unboxing of Beats headphones, which is totally over the top and unnecessary. Like when you slide over uh like you remove the first layer of uh-huh. the like the packaging, then you open the box and there's like a little ribbon that you pull and you reveal the headphones and the accessories and the manual. And it's so I mean it's super elegant but so unnecessary. Like there's no need to do all of this. It's like the opposite of Apple, right? In good packaging. So they're both good packaging both fantastic packaging, right? What Apple does and like what this is. But like Apple's is like is elegant and simple and this yeah. is like ostentatious and beautiful yes. right yeah. like, this is completely unnecessary but brilliant and, and tell you what i loved like one there are wires everywhere i have so many wires in my house now like that we talk about the the, the future being wireless no <laughs> this future is more wires than you could no. have ever imagined <laughs> it's ter- it's there terrible. are wires Just... everywhere there's wires in the front there's wires in the back like i've got it's a nightmare. And now I have like three things that I have to charge, like the, the controller and the yep. two mood things. And there is there are like these stands coming out that you can put it all in, these docks, charging docks, but none of them are available yet. But like, so that oh, really, be they're great. coming out? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. I don't know if Sony's making one, but I've seen a few like on Amazon and, and on games websites and stuff. So you have like two like three charging ports one for the controller two for the move controllers and then like a stand like it also got like a stand for the for the visor i'll put this one that i found in the show notes um but it's not out until december at least here yeah i doubt sony are going to do one because obviously old technology you know and the old they, they still have some of the old ones available in amazon but they're designed to charge the navigation controller that's another thing what i don't understand is why they didn't support the navigation controller as well because some games are fine with one move and one navigation controller i would imagine i guess they thought it just breaks the immersion too much oh i just found one that's coming out at the end of the month but it's on it's on us amazon is it the power the power a charge on this playstation no this is called the collective minds but anyway it's an example of some of the stuff that is uh yeah. that's coming out i'm you know i basically you need one of these really yeah but by the way uh, a quick aside because i also got the two pack of the playstation move controllers i don't understand that maybe i'm stupid but do they charge if you plug them into a standard usb powered hub I, because there's no ch- charging indicator there is the a charging indicator when you plug it into the playstation i've had the same thing they only charge through the playstation 4 i have no idea <laughs> It's no, they'll charge through other things as well, but the light has to be blinking for it to charge. Have you got? Where did you get yours from, Federico? Uh, from a store. No, I mean, um, are, are they recent ones or are they OEMs or what? I don't know. Because I'll tell you I, what happened to me is I okay. bought a, a pair of Move controllers off Amazon, 
and they were fulfilled by Amazon. I received them and I had exactly the same issue. I could not get them to charge no matter what and no matter what I plugged them into. At one point, I plugged them into my PS4 dev kit and the 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 light, you know, the red light on the move controller started mm-hmm. blinking. And I thought, okay, I'm getting somewhere. But they just refused to charge. Turns out there's this Reddit thread on the whole thing. Apparently, because some of these OEM things have been sitting in a warehouse for so many years, oh, okay. the batteries oh. are absolutely dead oh, because no. they've been completely discharged. And oh, the only no. <laughs> way you're going to be able to sort that out is by getting new batteries. And, of course, because they're so much in demand, you know, maybe a few months ago those batteries were like two or three bucks. Now they're like 20 bucks because oh, economics. No. <laughs> Does this mean my move controller is going to die soon because I won't charge? See, I've well, tried if- to charge mine for the first time. I plugged them into the PlayStation and the red light came on. I don't know if it was blinking, but the red light came on. So right. we'll see. I mean, mine were, as I assume... No, yours is okay then. I, well, I don't know. Who knows? Well, if it blinks, that means it's completely dead. Oh, it was just solid. That's perfect then. Your batteries obviously didn't completely drain. Mine is blinking, Shahid, right now. You probably <laughs> in the same oh, predicament no. as me. Oh no, it's, t- it's dying. No. If you catch it early enough, you're okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check now to see if mine's blinking. I'll be right back. Why is it blinking? It's like the last breath. <laughs> um, maybe it depends. I mean, I read this Reddit thread and they said that if you catch it early enough after you buy it then it will go through that phase and then it will be absolutely fine. If you're seeing solid, I think that means it has fully charged. I mean, if the blinking ever stops, that's when you've got to worry, right? Because with me, that's what happened, is that there was the odd bit of blinking and then it completely stopped blinking. There was no light at all. So if you haven't had that, you should be okay. Mine are both blinking too. <laughs> are they blinking slowly though? Uh ish i don't know they just that's just like blinking quite quickly like dun, dun, because dun. it's it's a fast blink and then it goes out that means they're completely finished but oh. if they're blinking on and off you know like a like a uh car indicator yeah then i think that just means they're charging oh, okay and cool. when this when it's solid red that means it's completely charged we'll follow up next time as to whether our controllers are all dead or not oh, i reckon no. yours are safe this is like a, a little thread running through the PSVR. Is like Sony's interesting choices, like yes. in choosing old equipment, like the camera and the move controllers, as a way to interface with their futuristic product. Yeah, I feel like I want to get the bad stuff out of my system before I talk about how amazing playing with VR is. So, yeah. in addition to the move controller issues. And the wires, wires everywhere. It's terrible. Like, my girlfriend is upset. I'm upset. I got to figure something out for serious cable management. Like, it's a real problem. And my bedroom is tiny, you know, all that. But the PlayStation camera, like, it is so bad. And I don't know where to start. Um, The the new stand thing that it's kind of like, you can adjust it. It doesn't snap onto anything for me. The cable the, the, that connects the PlayStation camera to the PlayStation is too heavy and it pulls the camera. So it's a little tricky to give it the perfect angle because the cable keeps pulling it. And when you set up the camera, if you try to adjust the image, the software on the PlayStation 4 is so bad, uh, it doesn't refresh in real time. Many times you open the camera preview to say, okay, I want to adjust the camera, so let me see what the camera sees. The screen doesn't refresh, so it gets stuck. And when you move the camera, you got to wait for the screen to be unstuck so you can get another preview. It is so, so terrible. I'm still not sure what's the best position in my bedroom. Um, It's not a wide-angle camera, so um, often either I get to choose, I, I need to either point the camera to my head or point the camera to my hands because I like to play with the PlayStation controller on my lap. And it, if I sit too close in front of the camera, it doesn't catch both. Yeah. But if I, if I go too far, then it's not as responsive as I'd like it to be. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a serious struggle and I got to figure out the best setup. I have it set up in my front room and if I, I can stand in front of the TV quite fine actually, like if I'm playing a, a game that requires standing. But if I'm sitting down on the sofa with the controller in my hands, some games get really confused about f- seeing the light, like the, the, the camera can't see the light on the controller very well. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's not ideal. I'm wondering if like the new controllers are better for detecting that light because they moved the light placement, didn't they? Like they moved it a little bit, and I wonder if that might have been the reason. Basically, the camera. What is, is the new controller? There is a new DualShock Four that comes with the new PlayStations, right? They've uh, they've made some slight design changes, and I think one of them is moving where the light is placed. On the, on the can controller. I buy one separately? I think they're out now. I think you can get them now. New DualShock 4. Okay, thank you. So, I didn't know that. I don't know if it helps. I wonder if it helps. I wonder if... Cause they, oh, yeah, they did the make one with the, with the extra light bar. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. Okay. And I expect... It'll make a little bit of difference, but you yep. know the thing that will help the most with that controller is that you can just plug it straight in and it will allow you to use the controller over the cable. Now, what that means is that your games are going to be more responsive. And that's going to be a critical advantage. Hmm, that's weird. But then it's more cables everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are more cables. But here, you know, this is a problem. All of these people who are making headsets have got a real uh, bandwidth issue. Because let's face it, guys. I mean, not that long ago, we were all in HD. Now we want 4K in each eye. I mean, that's a big <laughs> jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. And to pump those pixels over cables is a big job. You know, but yeah. to do it wirelessly, man, that tech is still being worked on. So it's going to take some time. But it's, it's happening, right? Didn't didn't um, yeah. Facebook? Like yeah, Facebook have got a prototype of the Oculus with it as a standalone unit now, right? Like I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure there are cables there, but there's right. cables going to power or whatever, and there's less cables. I will say, having used all of the headsets, Sony's cabling is far superior. Like it doesn't get in the way as much. Like, I haven't really spoken too much about my experiences with the HTC Vive. And I know people find that to be a superior console because of the movement tracking. But the movement tracking, coupled with their huge cables, really ruined the experience for me. Because I feel like you're constantly tripping on or feeling the cable bouncing around. Like I don't have that problem so much. The only issue that I have with the PSVR is because of I'm, I'm not super tall. I'm about six foot. When I stand up the little processing box that I plug the cables into is elevated. Yeah. So it, I, you can kind of feel it tugging every now and then, but not too much. It, I, I will say, like, of all of them, the cables and the way that the cables kind of sit when you're playing the games, I find it to be less disruptive than, than the other consoles, especially the HTC Vive. I mean, it's not surprising. You know, Sony has got decades, you know, maybe yeah a lot more than decades of heritage building yep. consumer products so you would have expected to them to get that part right and the other part you would have expected them to get right is a balance of features to deliver a commercial product i mean i've just been at the steam dev days in seattle i'm still in seattle and one of the things that was apparent is just how much effort valve are putting into vr and some of the hardware and software projects that they're directly funding. One of them include a company that's doing some obscenely high wireless data transmission rate uh, device. So, you know, the, to them, it's really, this is just an interim step. This is like a, um, you know, like, like a link to the future, but it's not the future. So they're completely on board with the whole idea that everything's got to be wireless. I think everybody is. It's just waiting for the tech to be ready. Which could take, who knows, right? It's like, we're just kind of yeah. waiting. This is the start, you know? It's just it the is. start. Because I think that it's clear now that there's a lot of excitement around VR now. VR is the next It's the next thing. I think it, I think VR will do for gaming what everybody thought that, that motion control would do, right? And, and I, I think VR has a better has a better shot at it because of some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit. I will say like one other little thing that's been um, a struggle for me is I've been getting some headaches every now and then from playing and I think it's mm. a combination of like my eyesight and trying to focus and, and I've been getting like eye strain. So, you know, but I'm keeping my eye on that. Like the screen juddering and, and kind of um, moving around a little bit I think is causing me to focus my eyes differently uh, and that's maybe causing some some headaches. Maybe I and also I uh, you know I might need to get my prescription changed on my glasses. <laughs> and this is just highlighting that fact. You know what would be really cool is if you could keep uh, a note 
on whether you're having issues with particular games or whether it's happening regardless of what you play. That's a good point. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of that, see how it goes. Let's talk about the setup process. Um, so, you know, we're talking about the boxing and how everything's kind of like nicely laid out. This also comes into with the cables. You know, all the cables are numbered. And the quick start guide tells you, like, plug cable number one into here, plug cable number two. It's just the little things, you know. It, it, it's just way a way nicer experience. It makes the setup quick, even though it, sh- in theory, is difficult because there's so many different things going on. I really like that. Yeah, I didn't follow the quick start guide, so I just improvised. <laughs> now, I very rarely follow guides like this, yeah. but because there was just so many cables, I was just a little bit hesitant. Yeah, I know, but it's just every time I get a new gadget, I mean, all the excitement and I'm waiting and now it's finally here, I don't want to waste 20 minutes going through the manual, so I just start pulling everything off and throwing stuff around oh and figure it out on my own. Uh, I was very surprised by the two HDMI cables, which make total sense because you're pushing two images, but I wasn't expecting for some reason. Um, and then I, it took me a while to figure out how you can move the side of the processing unit. Like it snaps into, you know, you can move it ver- vertically. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't understand how to plug the cable in. And then I realized, oh, this thing actually moves. Do you know where uh, you find that, that information out? On the manual, the I guess. In the quick start guide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It tells you specifically, like, move the thing forward and yeah, then plug it in. It's... Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of games that are out, um, and I think we've played a, a good selection of them all. My favorite game so far, uh, which was is also just my favorite VR game that I've played, period, I, I played it a little bit before, is Job Simulator, because it's ridiculous and a lot of fun. I find it to be really immersive. Uh, this is a game where I notice some of the juddering and tearing a little bit more than others because you're standing. The best way to play this game is to stand. And you're just in these weird environments like an office and a grocery store. And it's really funny because it's 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 a museum of what the humans used to do before the robots took over. Um, and the, the environments are really interactive. You can pick things up, throw things around, uh, you can throw things at people. You can, you know, it, I really like it, and and it it deals with VR in interesting ways. It lets you kind of do things you maybe don't think you should be able to do. Like there's one where you're in cubicles in an office job, and if you stand on your tiptoes, you can peek over the tops of the cubicles, and there's stuff there to see, you know. And it's I, I really love this game. Um, it's one that I enjoy playing quite a lot. I tried to play Job Simulator, if only because Mike told me that the game was amazing. And I didn't quite get it. And we were I was talking to Mike, and I think the problem is I cannot play while standing. And I feel like this game is meant to be played standing. So you can yeah. pick around, you can move to the sides, you can, you know, interact more deeply with the with the world around you. And I cannot play while standing because my TV is too low, so my head goes, you know, outside of the scope of the camera. And which goes back to the other problem, which I got to figure out a new placement for the camera. But the first time I tried Job Simulator, I couldn't quite get it because I I was very limited in my movement. So I got to figure out the camera setup and then try Job Simulator again. But it looked really fun. I wish I had I had a you know a way to play while standing. Yeah, have you played it, Shahid? I haven't actually, but everyone I know. Um... Who's who's played VR games has told me how much they love that. Yeah, it's one of so, my very favorites. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for not having tried it because oh, gotta, it's just had such excellent feedback. You gotta try. It's fantastic. It really is. And Federico, I hope that you can work out a way to play it better because it really is. Like I've spent the most time in that game because there are all these levels. You know, there's little tasks that you have to complete. But I just like messing around and just seeing like what it will let me do. You know, it, there's a flat. There's even a Flappy Bird in there. There's like in the Office game, you can find this <laughs> CD that you can put into the computer, and it's Flappy Bird. They call it Flappy <laughs> Bot. It's just inside this game, and you play it on the computer inside of the office. It's great. Nice, nice. People love that kind of thing in VR. Yep. Just little interactions. It's like, what will you let me do? Like, it's it's really fun. Um, I also love Super Hypercube, which is by Polytron, yes. who made Fez. Yeah, it's yeah. VR Tetris. It it's is so yeah. difficult, incredible, so difficult to play. Like so it's it's even hard to explain. It's like yes. these blocks and the. That's what makes it a VR game, dude. Because it's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you have to basically get this 
You have to maneuver a block in space to fit through a hole which is in the distance, right? So th- that's the easiest way to try and explain it. And the, the block gets added to, and you have to manipulate it to make sure it will fit through the hole that you can see. But my favorite thing about this game is the way that you see the, the shape of the hole is you have to peek around the block that's in front of you. Yes. And it's like, oh my God, it's like the understand... This is one of, the I think, the, the, the games which has been created in a way of understanding what virtual reality is, right? In that you, you have to interact with the game in different ways and it is in understanding that there is 3D space here. I think it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because you were used to the idea of what you see is what you get mm-hmm. in traditional games, right? You can move certain characters within certain limitations. But with VR, I, I feel like the best games that are, you know, that take advantage of this, uh, what you see is not necessarily all that's for you to see because there can be more. And it, that's where, you know, 3D movement in your physical space comes into play uh, in relation to what you what you see in the game yeah so for example the in addition to super hypercube which is amazing if only you know so difficult for me because i generally suck at puzzle games <laughs> in yeah <laughs> but it's amazing i i can agree with that uh in wayward sky for example it's a point and click adventure very colorful one of the most unique games in the launch lineup i think um you basically they handle the the movement in two ways which is very clever uh, there's a first-person perspective, but you don't walk in that perspective. It's only used to look at puzzles uh, very close to your eyes. So you can interact with your hands and move objects and like pull levers and press buttons, that kind of stuff. Then, for movement, uh, you switch to a bird's-eye view and you see this little character moving on, on into the world and you can use the PlayStation Move controller to point and click to move. Nice. I haven't played this yet. This sounds really good. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, but the thing is, from that perspective, because of the isometric view, uh, you can peek around blocks, you can peek around uh, buildings to see what's behind them. And many of the secrets of the game uh, that you can unlock in every level are hidden in this way. So you need to peek and you need to say, oh, maybe there's something around that corner. And if you go there, you can unlock the secret item. And it's very well done, super immersive, and definitely, you know, a lot of the launch lineup titles are kind of like audio-visual types of games, Mm -hmm. like puzzles with heavy musical or perspective components. This one is an adventure game, a point-and-click adventure game, but rebuilt for VR, and I think it's really clever. Talking about the audio real quick, um, I've played some standard PlayStation games, non-VR games on this thing, and what I really like about it is two things. One, you feel like you're playing in a cinema. The other, the audio is incredible. Yeah. Because of the play, the, like the it, it, the audio isn't just good when you're playing VR games. The audio is good when you're playing standard games because it's using some kind of like stereo. I don't know what the place how it works, but it sounds vastly better. It's called the head related transfer function. There you go. Um, basically, that that uh, processing unit also helps with spatializing audio. And if a developer has ensured that the audio is spatialized then that device is just going to play it in the right position. and So I guess it's like if, if a game is, is optimized for, um, what, would, what is it called? Surround sound, I guess. Not quite surround sound. If it's, because surround sound approximates spatialized audio um, because the, the thing with surround sound is that you can have five or seven speakers or whatever, but the, the point about spatialized audio is that you can put a sound source anywhere on the stage, behind, above, below, and so on. And what the HRTF does is it literally models the positioning of that sound as if the sound had been recorded as uh, binaural audio. I don't know if you've ever seen those dual microphones that you get that sit on a head-shaped person. So it's trying to mimic that. That, Hmm. That's what HRTF does. So you could buy one of those microphones and... um, playback sounds in the correct sort of position the only problem with that is as soon as you get into a room that has any kind of reverb that reverb will also get recorded 
This is why it's kind of cleaner in some ways just to do specialized audio and have HRTF spatialize it for you, if you like, to place it in the correct space. And then you can start to apply whatever effects are in the environment that you've built. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. I think it's, it really has added to a lot. Have you had anyone speaking over your shoulder yet? Yeah. That is the best, man. <laughs> that is the best. <sighs> Not good. Uh, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get to that game in a minute. Actually, right now, PSVR Worlds. It's a great mix of things, including London Heist, which I have not yet been able to finish because it really? really scares me. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I finished London Heist. And so it's it's a very quick... Uh, maybe you can finish it in like 20 minutes. Um, so the the idea here is it's a little story about stealing someone's diamond or you know uh it's a heist and the 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 problem i think for most for most people including me and maybe even more so for mike is uh, at some point you get kidnapped and the the person holding you hostage uh gets very close to your face Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and it's very realistic because you're in vr it's an interrogation scene with impending torture (laughs) with impending torture with various weapons being teased and this very muscular uh, bad bold guy with tattoos and you know muscles gets very close to you mm-hmm. yelling at your face and threatening you to kill you basically and um so yeah a lot of people uh, i was talking about this on twitter they either had to close their eyes or yep. look away i did a and bunch of this <laughs> yeah, in most to get through this, I occasionally looked away, like you can just look at the sides, um, or I I needed to power through the interrogation and be like, okay, this is a game, this is a game, and I was like touching my leg with my hands to be like, okay, I'm just watching this. This is not actually happening, which is super weird to think <laughs> about because, you know, I'm not in an actual interrogation room. I'm not being threatened with a flamethrower, but you know uh, it really feels like it <laughs> it really feels like it it's you know it's it's bad but yeah. bad in a in a very immersive way i haven't played the ocean demo yet for a lot of the same reasons <laughs> i'm expecting to be surprised by sharks or something yeah i was uh i tried the first stage like the basic one with the you know with the no sharks mm-hmm. and from the demo disc uh, so i was really relaxed i was like uh, amazed by the scene but then i realized if i'm gonna play the full game from vr worlds a shark is gonna come out and what am i gonna do if the shark comes out <laughs> so i still gotta decide the best time of the day to tackle exactly. this because if i'm if i'm playing at night and my girlfriend is sleeping and then i'm gonna scream you know because there's a shark it's gonna be a problem so maybe during the day but then if i'm playing <laughs> during the day and if i'm alone what if I die? So it's got to be during the day with someone home who is yep. not sleeping. Yep. Right? Uh, yeah. It's a it's it's a real like these are new considerations, right? It, 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 judging how your emotions are going to be playing the game because it's it's different. It's because it, you really do a lot of the time feel like you're there and that's great. Um a completely different game, Playroom VR, uh which comes for free if you with the camera has a bunch of different games in it. Um, I've played one of them now. I think it's uh, it's what they call level 1-2, well, 1-2 or something, which is a really amazing, charming platformer. It is showing, for me, like a great way. I think this is maybe a little bit similar to Wayward Sky. In that it's, it's, VR doesn't have to be first person. Like You don't have to experience everything in first person. Like I'm playing this game, and I'm using the controller, and I'm controlling this little character, and he's running around, and I'm jumping on bad guys and punching bad guys. But the benefit that I get for VR is I can like look around, look behind me. Like I can go forward, look behind, and oh, there's a bunch of coins that were hidden. So you can run around and get them. Like it's using the fact that your head is in the VR space, but you don't have to be in first person. And I thought it was really great. And it's showing, I think, that what could be done with a platformer. Yeah. Um, it is like a really good, in a way, kind of like a like a tech demo, you know, of showing like this is how a platformer can be made. You don't have to do everything in first person. See, I didn't play that game because the the label on the screen said one dash two players mm-hmm. and i thought it requires two players 
And but you play it alone, right? I play it alone. Yeah, it works. So a, a re- this is a super minor complaint, but from my background of you know tech reviews, one of the things that drives me crazy in video games are bad interface designs, and a lot of games just used wrongly named menus or options or labels. And besides Playroom VR, another. Terrible example. I was playing uh, Thumper. I know exactly Just, what you're going to say, and I had the exact I same compl- I complained about this on Twitter, and the developers replied and said they're going to fix it. Um, so Th- Thumper is organized in levels. So one, two, three. For each quote-unquote level, there are many sub-levels. So, for example, 2-1-5-6 up to 23 or something. I was playing a level like 21. Uh, of the second main level. So let's call it the second world, basically. And I hit the pause button, and then I saw restart from checkpoint and restart from restart level. And, you know, instinctively, I went to restart level because I thought maybe there's a checkpoint in this level, and I just, I actually want to begin from this level, so 2 21 or something from the beginning. I hit restart level and the game said uh you're gonna lose your progress and i'm like okay yeah sure whatever i just want to restart the level and it didn't go back to the beginning of 2-21 it went to 2-0 so i lost Mm. all of the levels because the game doesn't actually explain what a level and a sub level is so it treats the sub levels as checkpoints which is a completely wrong terminology to use because those are actually mini levels inside the main world so it's a very minor complaint but i feel like especially in vr which i guess you 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 cannot have as long of a play session as with traditional television so i'm investing my time in that solid couple of hours of vr otherwise i get a headache the interface design has to be perfect has to be clear and has to exactly tell people what is going to happen and you know playroom vr and thumper are just two small examples but i feel like with vr it's even more of an important issue to have an interface design that is clear that is legible and that explains what it's going to happen i agree because it, it it's difficult right like that is not a good play experience but thumper though is awesome it is amazing. It, it is, is so good. It is so good. It's it, I, I, basically you control. You can play the game without VR or with VR mode, and I strongly suggest VR mode. Oh, uh, yeah. So you control this space beetle like an actual insect, and it's covered in metal, like it has a, some sort of shield, and it's running down this tunnel <laughs> with lights, like uh, and it's, it's basically, again impossible to explain it's impossible (laughs) to explain but you need to time your jumps and your turns um to either jump on these boosting platforms or to kind of uh you know make a turn you gotta time those to the music so there's very drum and bass type Mm -hmm. of music playing in the background and you need to time the x button and the analog stick that that's all that you need to use in this game but you need to combine that with the music. And it's so difficult to describe, but it's so immersive and it totally grabs you. And I was playing yesterday, I was playing today. Again, like I said, I, I did 20 quote-unquote levels. I lost them all, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to do them again. Um, it's possibly my top two of launch titles would mm. be Thumper and Wayward Sky. It's seriously amazing. Have you played Tumble? Yeah, um, but only like the five minutes. I, re- I, tried I really like Tumble. that game a lot. Yeah? Yeah, it's where you basically like... just have to stack things on top of each other, like mm-hmm. blocks and stuff. I really like it. It's a very fun game, and it's got a bunch of different interesting levels to it. Um, it is one that I've struggled to get to recognize my controller. If I'm sitting down, I have to stand up and play that game. Um, oh. because it's it's really delicate the movement like you have to like really carefully put things on top of each other so it relies quite heavily on the on the camera shahid have you played any of these games because i know you've had your your unit for a while but it's mainly been for development 
Yeah, I mean, on launch day, I was out in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have got any of the commercial games yeah. until launch day. So when I go back, I'll be able to play a lot of these. Um, I didn't have a hand in a lot of the launch titles. Most of the titles that I had a hand in are going to launch uh, after launch. Uh, so uh, one of the earlier ones was Battlezone. I don't know if you played that or not. But, I have played um, Battlezone, yeah. I, I like yeah, it. I, mean, I like it. Yeah, that's more a solid video game yeah. than it is uh, a brand new VR experience. VR facilitates a solid video game. But anyway, um, Super Hypercube, that's interesting because I actually saw that uh, in a hotel suite about two years ago. That doesn't surprise and me. And was absolutely blown away. Yeah. Could not could not believe it. I wasn't surprised, you know. That that team is amazing. I'll underscore this again. Like It's one of the games that really understands VR in, a, in yeah, an interesting yeah. way. Yeah, the the team behind it is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it's not just Phil Fish. There are some other really talented people working on on that game. But yeah, two years ago, it was looking sensational. And you thought, you know what? These people understand that mm-hmm. there is a fundamental paradigm shift between 2D gaming and VR, and this is already working. Because Thumper so is the- brilliant, but it yeah. is only really brilliant in VR because you feel like you're in the world. But it's the same game yeah. that you can play... Yeah. In non-VR, right, you're just, instead of looking at it, you're in it. Like, But Super Hypercube only works in VR because of right. the way that you have to kind of, like, poke around and, and look at stuff. And you could maybe and, retrofit it, but it wouldn't work as nicely. Right. And there's going to be quite a few like that, and yep. that's fine. You know, there's, you know, like, in the same way that we, we, talk, we talked in an earlier... Uh, remaster about remasters mm-hmm. right and that they're they're a way of people exploring a new platform and upping the ante in certain vectors very very easily to see what's possible well that's going to happen with vr as well yeah but it's the ones that could only work in the modern medium that as you i think so rightly say are going to what help they're, they're going to help define the medium it's like i want to be able to play gta in vr right like just bolt it on or no man's sky in vr you know just find a way to shoehorn it in please i know i know it's like just press the vr button in development and it's all all set for you it's it's funny because like a lot of those games i'm sure that there are so many tricks that are done in this kind of open world game development that you just wouldn't work anymore if, if you have to think about displaying everything that's behind the character as well as in front of the character yeah you completely break so much i can't cannot even imagine um, Federico, I've not played Res yet. No, oh, man. Now, me and you were both talking about the fact that we have both yeah. played Res in the past and never mm-hmm. really understood it. So I had Res on PlayStation Two uh, because I didn't, I didn't have a Dreamcast, uh, and I never got it. Like uh, I was reading video game magazines back then, and everyone was was going, "Oh my God, Res is so good, it's so fantastic," and I never quite got it. Uh, so I got the PlayStation VR version, Res uh, Infinite, and I realize that basically Res is a shooter on rails, you you have this character, you're inside of a computer, because you need to fix this uh, um, advanced AI that has basically gone crazy and it started to shut itself down, because it's become conscious, I guess, Um so you need to you control this character that goes through various stages of evolution. It's like a wireframe person that can take different shapes. But the basic idea is you hold down the shoot button and with the analog stick you can select up to 8 uh, enemies or items to shoot at a time. Then you let go of the shoot button and all of your projectiles go against these waves of enemies and items all at once. And it's a rhythm game though, right? Yes, there's a music component like yes, either the the enemies or your uh, own, you know, shooting can be timed to the music, but I feel like it's not exactly at least my understanding is it's not exactly functional. It's more of a um, audiovisual 
addition to the game. So maybe if you want to get a high score, you need to follow the music. But to go through to to get through the basic levels, the basic stages, you don't need to you don't need to carefully pay attention to mm. the music. You, I was just playing and enjoying the music, enjoying the graphics, especially because in VR it's all very it's, it's a very peculiar style, you know. The, it's very again hard to describe. Uh, very wireframey slash hackery type of graphics. It's like psychedelic, right? It's a psychedelic game. And I enjoyed the game. I didn't necessarily pay attention to the music or maybe subconsciously I was playing at, paying attention to the music. But anyway, the entire experience in VR is very enjoyable. It's kind of crazy. It's a crazy game, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crazy idea, crazy concept, crazy graphics. The music, like techno, electro music with good headphones, totally, totally immersive. And uh, again... I don't know because I don't care about high scores. I don't care about trophies. Uh, but it's just you can just sit down, shoot some things, and look at the graphics. You know, take a look around with your headset and enjoy the game. It's very nice, very, very, very unique. Talking about immersion, one of the funny things about playing VR for long periods of time is the come down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very weird, right? Like if I play and it's still happening to me, if I play for long periods of time. There is just this weird feeling that sits with me for a while. Like, I just feel strange in in a way happened, that I can't really explain. It happened to me the first night that I spent more than two hours in VR. And once I removed the headset, I went to bed. I was sitting in my bed. I was looking at Twitter. And I looked at my hands using my iPhone and I felt weird, like somehow disconnected. Like I was looking at my hands and I was like, are those really my hands? Am I really using my iPhone right now? Why do my hands look like that? And I was, I felt weird, like I felt spatially weird, either for I don't know if it was my hands or the fact that I was sitting in my bed and before I was playing Thumper and um, Wayward Sky, but I just felt strange and I looked at I kept looking at my hands. I tried to type a few messages to people and I was like, "There's some kind of disconnect here." Uh, and then I went to grab a glass of water. I ate a snack and I was like, okay, I'm fine. So it lasted like a couple of minutes, but it was super strange. Didn't happen to me when I was playing uh, with you, Mike, and Steven and, you know, and Gray, we were testing the Oculus. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen to me. No. But with the VR, uh, I felt it was like a calm down. I don't know. I think I it's felt- the longer play period that, that yeah. causes it. And the closest thing that I can equate it to is... Um, the, the feeling of seasickness or after you've had really strong turbulence. And, and I wonder if there's just something in my inner ear that is adjusting again. Probably. And that's what I'm wondering if it is. Because that's the, the, like I was just, you know, I was kind of just laying down in bed like hours later and I kind of feel like things are moving a little bit. And I wonder if it is something to do with the inner ear, which would make sense because it's why people feel motion sickness, I guess, um, when playing these things. It's, it's a very strange very peculiar feeling the whole way around. Shahid, I want to ask you, what can developers do to optimize for avoiding motion sickness? Like, what are some basic best practices for developers to follow? The first thing is you've got to hit 90 frames per second. Okay. I know that people have talked about um, post-reprojection as a way of compensating, but you cannot rely on that it should be used only as an absolute fail-safe for the odd occasion that your frame rate does drop. I mean, 90 frames per second is a good start, but it needs to be higher than that, ideally. So that's the first thing people have got to do, no matter what. You see, before, you could sacrifice frame rate, and you do that in order to achieve high quality. Well, now, the bar is all about immersion and presence. And the second you break that, not only do you run the risk of breaking the spell of presence, but you also run the risk of making people sick. So that is the very first and highest priority thing that people should consider. 
The other thing that's really important is because you're wearing a headset, which is being tracked, aliasing problems become much more apparent. You know, you you don't have these nearly so much in a traditional 2D game because the horizon isn't shifting all the time. So it's really important, if at all possible, for developers to find a way of ensuring that they get as much anti-aliasing in there as possible. It's expensive, but it's absolutely worth it. The other thing they can do is text is really hard to get right, but it is really important you get that right because it's really hard to do in VR because the resolution is fairly limited and also because it has to be projected facing the camera all the time. You have to make sure that it's updated at least at 90 frames per second. You know, you can never drop a beat on on text. It can never lag because it's facing the camera. That's really important. The other thing is probably subservient to the whole goal of hitting 90 frames per second is to make sure that your quality levels are adapted in real time, if necessary, from frame to frame, so that you always hit 90 frames per second. And the reason you need to do that is because you're no longer, as a developer, in charge of the camera. You can't you can't be the the magician behind the curtains pulling all the levers because now you've put the player in that position. They can look at anything at any time. And there's an interesting example of this at the Steam Dev Days where they're talking about their uh, robot repair example where one of the demonstrators turned away and the, the person who was playing it lay down on the floor and looked up at the robot from underneath which, of course, killed the frame rate because nobody ever expected that anyone would try and look upwards. And what happened there was so much detail was suddenly in the frame that the the game started to chug and that broke immersion. So it's really important for developers to ensure that, as well as making sure that they've got a high frame rate, to absolutely make sure that happens, you need to adjust quality all the time to compensate. If you've got a lot of geometry in a scene you got a lot of texturing the screen uh, on the scene, then you might have to do things like drop the resolution just for that frame. The interesting thing is, by the way, that uh, Unity have actually um, done a renderer that... Uh, sorry, is it Unity have done this? Yeah, I think so. They've done a renderer that literally uh, plugs in and compensates for you, which makes is going to make the life of a lot of Unity developers, myself included... Uh, a lot easier but other people are going to have to make sure that they they do all of that stuff really important so what about the long term on vr well i feel like once i tried this i don't want to go back to playing video games where I don't have the option of having a different reality. So my idea is there's going to be traditional video games for a long time, and we're in the super early stages of VR. We're looking at the first iPhone of VR, basically. Mm-hmm. But this is obviously the future of many types of games. Uh, the sense of immersion, the sense of stepping into a different world, and the different interactions that having a tracked headset can allow you to bring bring into the game uh this is so different and so like it's a whole new horizon for video games but we have a hardware problem right now which is either cameras or you know display quality or you know consoles not powerful enough to drive like 120 frames per second all the time while also ensuring like 4k footage or you know uh but this is obviously going to get better and it's obviously going to get rid of all of these wires. But I think we're looking at a, like a 10-year roadmap and you can imagine how you're going to have a single headset, uh, very comfortable you know, uh, controllers for your hands, maybe even other types of trackers for your physical movement. And we're going to have video games that are so immersive, you're going to want to step into the virtual reality. And, you know, letting aside the fact that there's so many other different types of applications besides video games, 
I've, I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm at home and I'm like, you know what? I want to spend a little time into, you know, Res or into Wayward Sky in a different, with a different sense of wanting to play a video game because it's, n- it's not as much a play, like sitting in front of the TV and pressing buttons on my DualShock. It's more of, I want to be into the game. Doesn't necessarily matter whether I'm just looking around or playing the game. I feel like it's a different type of immersion, but it's super early. And the PlayStation VR has many um, shortcomings, uh, especially when it comes to the camera and the move controllers, which are like six-year-old hardware, basically. Uh, Maybe we're going to get a revision next year. Maybe we're going to get a whole new VR headset in a couple of years from Sony. But, you know, this is obviously the start. And once you try it, there's no going back in the sense of you're going to... You try VR... And you're gonna want to try VR even more. So it's got we gotta be patient. It's gonna get better. And there's already some fantastic games. But I want you know I, I want VR everywhere now. Like I want Nintendo to do VR. I want Apple to do VR because it's obviously so much better for you know belonging into another reality. That's my take. I agree one hundred percent. Like, this is all I want to do with games now, is play them like this. Um, you mentioned the controllers, and the controllers getting better um, and changing. Now, Shahidan, you mentioned that you're at the Steam Dev Days, which is, I assume, very focused on, on the VR and the Vive. And I've seen uh, images of prototype controllers that are very, very similar in look to the Oculus Touch controllers. Yeah, except they go one step further. The, I, I didn't get to try these, but they have ones that you can um, do grip strength with for each individual finger, and you you can you know you can actually feel yourself holding and releasing an object, which is hmm. just crazy. That does just crazy. Really it did. It, yeah, it is interesting to me to see it because the best controllers that I've tried are the Oculus controls, which are finally being released in December, I think. And right. it's very funny to me to see Valve going down the same route because I actually think, like, from a ergonomic perspective and the way that they feel in the hand, the Vive controllers are the worst. They're huge. They're absolutely massive things. Mm. And mm. of everything that I've tried, they're the ones that felt the least, like, just intuitive to me. Like, even the Move controllers, like, they're very simple and they're they're smallish. Like, they're they're they're, they're thinner. You know, like in in volume, and they they kind of feel more natural. I really didn't take to the the Vive controllers, um, especially in the way that I took to the Oculus ones. So it doesn't surprise me that they're going down this route as well. Yeah, they're funding a lot of activity. Uh, they obviously don't have. Uh, well, I say obviously. They it depends how much they want to spend, really. They, but they don't have the same financial clout as Facebook to put behind mm-hmm. VR tech. But they are deadly serious about this, and you can see why. They're also very committed to open standards. So it's very important for them to work in a very open way to use, um, make sure that all of their, their source is open source and to work with partners who are doing the same thing, you know, defining frameworks that everybody can use and moving VR forward as a community. All of that's really important to Valve. I think it's very clear that this is the future of video gaming right now. Um, And it's not even just the thing that's kind of, I think, being forced on us in a way. Like, it's not just something that the video game industry has decided and then they're moving forward with it. I think it's something that people are genuinely interested in because it provides something that we've never been able to have before. So this time I wasn't hyping, right? Exactly. No, that's what, <laughs> that's what I that's what I wanted to to also mention is that I'm still um you know looking at Twitter for example and there's a bunch of people who are saying uh the companies like Sony and you know Valve think that VR is going to be popular is going to be like they talk some people talk about VR in terms of something that doesn't exist, only because Apple is not yet involved. And that's just not accurate, because you can buy VR today. It's not perfect. It's going to get better. But 
Trying VR made me feel like the first time I tried the iPhone. It's something completely new that it's possible today. It's not an announcement. It's not uh, a concept. It's an object you can buy, you can try, and you can play games that are so different from anything else I've played before. I mean, Tamper, for example, or Wayward Sky, It's and so many others coming out soon. These are going to be real products, whether or not Apple or Google are doing something like this. Google is, Apple is not. Uh, but it, the fact that you know uh, tech companies in traditional sense, and especially Apple, are not doing VR, doesn't mean that VR is not going to take off because... All of the major video game companies and, you know, even in, term, in terms of video, so entertainment like Netflix and Hulu and other things like that, VR has obvious benefits. And it is socially awkward in the sense that, you know, you isolate yourself. But for single player use, uh, there's no arguing, in my opinion, that this is the next step in terms of, you know, stepping in, uh, literally stepping into a different world. And so even if Apple is not doing VR, uh, they better be paying attention to it because it's, it is amazing. During World War II, President Roosevelt signed an executive order to imprison Japanese Americans in concentration camps. American citizens who had done nothing wrong lost their jobs, their businesses, and their freedom. Families were torn apart, and children grew up behind barbed wire fences. Today, Japanese American imprisonment during World War II is considered a stain on the legacy of American history. In 1988, President Reagan paid reparations to innocent Japanese Americans who were wrongly imprisoned and issued a formal apology. When we look back at that history today, it is tempting to wonder, how could this have happened? How could we have been so scared of our neighbors that we locked them up? How did the land of the free get it so wrong? Donald Trump says that when he's president, an armed deportation force will occupy American cities. Trump's deportation task force will investigate innocent people and round them up into concentration camps. Trump says he'll ban all Muslims from entering our country. Donald Trump's plan has once again caused neighbors to fear one another and turned Americans against our own people. This election is a test. Can we learn from the mistakes of our past and reject Trump's cruel, unconstitutional prison camps? Or are we doomed to repeat history? This November, the choice should be easy for all patriotic Americans. We must vote against American concentration camps, and we must vote against Donald Trump. The Nuisance Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising.